I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. episode 147 of the Cantabike Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, it's my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's It's been a while since we've uh, talked. Yeah, Um. because we both skipped last episode and we're recording several days later than usual so it makes it seem like a really long time i know it, it's been so long what's what's been going on in the world of emily um nothing bullshit no seriously like i haven't left my apartment in like a month maybe a month because i've been getting groceries delivered so it might it might only be three weeks, but I think it's a month. Wow. Like I've got out in my yard, but that is about it. That's crazy. I left the house today to go walk around an island. How was that? It was really nice. It was nice outside. The weather was great. There was a lot of people out. So that's always cautious. I mean, I always wear my mask. Like, I'm I'm that person because it's like, you know, they say that when you're exercising, like, that you don't have to wear a mask. But, like, I wear that shit. One, because safety. And two, because it's a great protector from the sun. Because I am very pale and I burn way too easily to the point where I have to put sunscreen on my hands now because my hands get sunburned. Oh, ow. Yeah, but yeah, it was nice. It was it sucked because my work schedule has been a little strange lately. So I got off of work this morning at 4 a.m. Then I woke up at like nine to go walk, but it's fine. As long as I got my exercise in for the day, I'm good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that work schedule fucking blows, but. It does. And I haven't been helping myself because I have decided to go down the rabbit hole of rewatching uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. 
And I'm not only watching the Kardashians, but I'm watching the spinoff shows too. So right now I'm on season two of Chloe and Lamar. And Lamar just got traded from the Lakers to the Denver Broncos. No, not Denver. Dallas. Dallas uh, Mavericks, I think. So a lot is going on in the Odom household. I mean, the fact that you not only can say that you're watching this, but that you're rewatching it is kind of troubling. <laughs> that I'm rewatching? Yeah, I mean, to have watched it ever is an interesting choice. I mean, I've been watching them since, like, I was a kid. Like, this aired in, like, what, like, 2012? Like, I was probably a junior in high school in 2012. And I remember watching this shit. I, I don't know when I stopped, but, like, I I don't know. It just... It, reality TV is such a guilty pleasure for me, especially this fucking family, because there's just always something going on with them. Like, it's interesting to keep up with all of them, like, throughout the years, because, you know, one person becomes a model, you know, one person becomes a billionaire, you know, the other one, like, there's just so much going on, and it's never boring. Emily is just, like, looking at me right now like I'm the most ridiculous human being on this planet. I can't do any of the reality shows that are, like, the ones where you're just watching somebody's fake life. Okay, it's not, like, the storylines, like, are a little fabricated sometimes, but I don't know, like, these are real people that get divorces in 72 days, like, it happens to the best of us, you know? No, but I just, like, the thought of watching that, I can't. Like, if I'm going to watch something that is, like, kind of scripted anyway, I'd rather watch something that is actually scripted and has, like, writing and people who probably are less horrible in real life. I guess not all of them are are awful like I feel like definitely like there's a lot of kind of fake storylines but also like there's some like real shit I've been rewatching Hannibal which is about a guy who kills people and eats people and I think in general I would rather hang out with Hannibal than any of the people on that show I'll always remember like, oh wait go ahead so I'll just say like even if there was like a 50% chance that he would kill me and eat me, I would still pick Hannibal rather than one of the Kardashians. I think I'd have a better time. Whenever, oh, what were you going to say? Whenever I think of Hannibal, I think about this time I was at Universal Studios and I went on like the studio tour a lot and they kept fucking talking about, oh, by the way, there's this show called Hannibal. And you should watch it. And it was like every like five minutes we're sitting on that little tram. So every time I think of Hannibal, I think of uh, Universal Studios. Oh, it's so fucking good. At least the first two seasons are. Then it gets a little bit eh. But it's on Netflix now. So even though I have it on DVD, I, I don't watch things I have on DVD. I watch things that I can just hit a button and they appear and I don't have to move. Well, speaking of watching things, I have been actually like trying to watch something that is actually pretty good. 
okay. the new season of Queer Eye. It's so good. I know. I am like, I'm really eager to finish it, but I've been watching it with Carlos and I feel really bad for watching it without him because like he actually enjoys it too. Because it's just, it's like, it's good, good things and good people, good television, good stories. Like I'm loving all of these people. I think the last episode that I watched was uh, the father of like that bride that got married to her like child oh, and her sweetheart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I cried at like every episode this season. I loved the pastor. Like, <gasps> I. Oh, he was so sweet. I want to go to his church. Like, I want to drive to wherever the fuck he is. I think Pennsylvania or something. Or, no, Philadelphia. I want to go to Philadelphia and go to that beautiful man's church. Because it just so good so good when he was talking with the other queer pastors and um he was talking about how he feels guilty that he didn't come out sooner and then one of them has to be like well what would you say if one of your parishioners was feeling that way would you would you think any glass of them and he's like no of course not and they're just like well then why do you think less of yourself and i'm just like because oh. like you could tell that he had never thought of it that way before Ugh. and it was and his stuff with bobby was so beautiful and that's i mean that's one of the reasons there's a lot of reasons this show is a lot better than queer i Pride the straight guy was even though i i mean i loved the hell out of that show back in the day but the way that you actually like know more about the guys' lives this time around. And there seems to be much more of a personal connection. Because because I've been going back and watching old episodes and that that's that stuff dealing with, with Bobby's like I don't know what to call it, like religious trauma from his childhood and, you know, being kicked out of his family and abandoned by his church, like that comes up a lot. Yeah, that's definitely something that scarred him and something that, you know, he sees all these wonderful people that it's helping through the show. And I feel like each person, like, gives him, you know, like, an apology, too. Like, especially, like, when the pastor, like, apologized to Bobby. Like, that hit me. Like, I just... Yeah. It's a shame that the church did that to Bobby and his family, too. But it's amazing that, you know, Bobby is meeting all these, you know, wonderful people that you know, could possibly, you know, bring back, you know, some positives, like, for, you know, possibly him stepping back into a church again or something. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I love everyone. Like, there's not one person where I'm like, I don't know about this, but just every single one of them are just good dudes. Yeah. Ugh. It's such a good show. I love it. Oh, I know I'm excited. I think Carlos is coming over this time, sometime this weekend, to help my dad build um, a she shed. So uh, he'll be with me Saturday and Sunday night so that we can finish watching Queer Eye. So I'm very excited. Yay! Such a good show. I know. Well, I feel like I have been very 
Star Wars deprived for like the past couple weeks. Like I feel like I took like a break from Star Wars and from Star Wars events, news, podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I I don't know what's going on. Like I don't know like is there you know like are are all the movies still canon? Like are we getting like a revamp like how they keep talking about how they're going to redo like Back to the Future? Like are we going to get like a brand new Star Wars? Like I have no idea what's going on. I mean, I feel like Star Wars kind of took a break from Star Wars. Good for them. But um, now we, we've got some stuff to talk about this week. Uh, starting with the inevitable, which is that Celebration is canceled. And it's not going to be until uh, two years from now. Which kind of sucks. Um, yeah. I was expecting a year, but two years, that's crazy. Like, do you know how much is going to change in two years? (laughs) Like, I was expecting, I mean, I wasn't expecting, like, next spring or anything, because I could understand that would still be, like, too questionable of whether you can do that or not. But I was thinking, like, next summer or next fall. Like, that was just in my head is what was going to happen. And so I got to say, I was pretty fucking bummed. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bummer. I mean, like, I think it's a good decision because I feel like um, there'll be, like, a clear path on, like, how we all, you know, should be, you know, because of the virus and to keep each other safe. But also, I feel like part of me is surprised because... Orange County especially has been so laxed on everything, like how they're not forcing masks. Well, I think now, like, uh, the governor of California just said, ha, fuck you guys, we're wearing masks because safety. But, and then Disneyland's going to be opening up in a couple weeks. Like, I was really sure that, like, part of me was like, you know, I don't even think they're going to cancel it because it's so soon Orange County is, you know, doing their own thing. Like, I I was just about to, you know, put the flag up and say, hey, like, I'm canceling the house because I don't think that anyone wants, you know, the people we were going to stay with. I don't think that they aren't even going to want to come. No. But, yeah, it's a smart decision. It, even though I would have loved uh, a response sooner, like, I don't know what goes on with that. Like, I'm not a business person. Like, I'm just your average 25-year-old girl. Like, I I don't know. Like, I would have loved to see, you know, updates. Like, I feel like we got nothing. You know, like, a couple months ago, we got an email being like, hey, there's this virus. Uh, we don't know what we're doing celebration yet. We'll put you on hold. And that's all we got. Like, there was no communication there was nothing and i don't know read pop like yeah honestly even a couple more emails being like hey we're still working on it like spread out over those past couple months would have gone a long way to me being less annoyed at them yeah i don't know like i I wonder if they're going to continue using Reed Pop for Star Wars Celebration and, you know, if they're, 
you know, going to have Disney do it or like someone else because I feel like a lot of us keep getting, you know, disappointed by Reed Pop and their actions and I don't know. I mean, like, just thank God they canceled it. That, that's a positive. But also, like, I just would have loved to be kept in the loop. And I feel like they kind of ghosted us for a bit. And that's so serious because people bought, like, plane tickets, hotels, all these things that are probably going to be really difficult to to get the money back for. So, it's just very not good. Yeah, I think I think they they handled it pretty badly. Uh, I am glad that even though it's two years away, they're doing ticket rollover. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, honestly, like it's I can't like say for sure whether I'll be able to go in two years because two years is a long fucking time. But I do like the fact that I'm not gonna have to like do the virtual queuing again. That fucking sucks. Yeah, I know. I don't even know if I'll be able to go in two years. Like, I know it's basically my backyard, but fuck. God only knows. I mean, so much can happen in, like, two years. Like, But the one thing that... I mean, like, you know, maybe they'll do some, some virtual stuff like San Diego is doing, but... I mean, I'm not really bummed about missing panels. I'm sad about not being able to hang out with my friends for, you know, two fucking years. Um, also, I'm sad because as of right now, the Cassian show is still set for next year, which means no Cassian panel at Celebration. And that makes me sad. Yeah. I'm just sad for Catherine for all the Cassian stuff we're missing out on. Like, I I feel like my care to that show has just gone to Catherine and to what Catherine wants and needs. And I, I just <laughs> I just like if if there were two buttons, you know, on a panel, like one saying like Cassian, and then another one Catherine. Like I would press Catherine, but then Catherine would press Cassian. Like I just I, I want whatever Catherine wants. That's just what I'm saying. Like I'm very neutral. Yeah. I'm still just holding out hope, you know. That we're gonna get we're gonna get Mendo. I'm just like I can't let it go. I'm trying to let it go so I'm not disappointed. Well, but I think especially with with everything going on in the world, like Mendo's out of work, like he needs something. So, you know, Disney Plus is gonna, you know, call him up. You know, we could Disney Plus could be calling up Mendo right now, and being like, "Hey, bud, it's Disney. Uh, we were just wondering." Uh, <laughs> yes, it's Mister Disney here. <laughs> it's, this is Mister Disney, <laughs> Mister Walt. Walt has specifically. <laughs> asked for Ben Mendelsohn to return to Star Wars. That would be cool, though. Please, please let it happen. I think, like, that's where my um, interest would 100%, like, go, is if they get Mendo, because I just feel like Mendo is just Star Wars. Like, just... Yeah. We need that. Like, I feel like Rogue One... 
was unlike any, you know, it was the first Star Wars story. Like, I really liked, you know, how they did it, how they wrote it, how everything about it. And the fact that, you know, we get, I don't know, just the fact that we get a Cassian show because of it. Like, I think it's really cool. And I think that, you know, I'm a big believer in not recycling, like, old characters and bringing us new characters. But I almost still feel like Mendo is a new character because we only got him what like four years ago yeah I feel like all like I feel like I'm more okay with the Rogue One characters getting more stuff because we we only had the movie yeah and it's not even like you know we've had years of of now like legend novels of them or anything like that so there's not even you know like legends information about them it's just the one movie and, you know, like a little bit of stuff with with Krennic and, and Catalyst, but I like it. And now, you know, now we're getting Mothma in it, and maybe we're getting Jimmy Smith in it. Yeah, we're getting a shit ton of people. Man, I'd love to see Space Jimmy Smith again. He's a good dude. Oh, I fucking love him. He's so cool. Well, at least but, in um, two years that'll there'll be more news. I mean, maybe. Who knows? What'll be going on then? True. But, um, in other Star Wars television projects, we got Jedi Temple Challenge premiering on YouTube. Did you watch any of it? No, did you? I watched, like, most of an episode i kind of skipped around a little bit because i'm 36 years old and it's a game show for kids and like that's fine like it is for what it was for what it is it's you know it seemed like great i would have liked it as a kid i watched a lot of legends of the hidden temple which is what this show is with the star wars over pasted over it um it seemed cute i mean like i would never like watch another episode of it because i don't have kids but you know, the the uh, interest in watching, you know, 10-year-olds do an obstacle course is pretty low for me. But if I were, you know, eight years old, yeah, that'd be awesome. I do like that it's sort of all done in-universe. You know, like, it's not, like, about, like, you're not talking about Star Wars. You're talking as if you're in Star Wars. And I think that's that's a good way to do it. That's interesting. Like, like, Ahmed Best is not Ahmed Best. He's a character. Like, he's this Jedi master with a name I don't remember. But. That's amazing. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. And, and no, you know, I, I'm hoping that our, our Star Wars friends who have young kids, I hope they're liking it. Because I think it's, you know, nice to have some new content, especially these days. Yeah, especially for, like, younger kids. Like, I, I feel like this is a little bit like that little Disneyland show that they used to do. So I think it's awesome that, you know, kids are able to watch this. And, you know, people with kids. Like, it's great content. It's 
it's so cute you know watching kids like doing like obstacle courses and especially them like pretending they're in the star wars universe like it's wonderful yeah like as each like round as each like round progresses they're um getting pieces of their lightsaber and then you know the team that wins has all the pieces to to build their saber it's pretty cute what about the losing team? They just have to wait. I don't know. I skipped some stuff, so I don't quite know whether the losers like. I mean, they're not, you know, laughed at or something. It's not. It's not one of the mean, like, game shows they make for adults. But I don't know. Well, then they when they won't be able. What if like there's a one kid and he's always put on the losing team, and then he'll never get the parts to his lightsaber. Like that's so sad. Yeah, fuck you. Not everybody gets to be a Jedi. Oh God. Maybe they should have been less shit. <laughs> then they'd get to be a Jedi. Oh no. Maybe. I mean that's a that, that's a good outlook, you know. You gotta You gotta try hard, you gotta learn from your mistakes and, and that'll make you a stronger Jedi in the future. One thing that occurred to me while watching it, and I have to, because I've only watched the first episode, I know that two were up when it first premiered, and I'm, I'm assuming there's been another one or two since then, so I don't know. But anybody who's watching, uh, some of it's quite physical. Like, again, it's like obstacle courses and stuff, so I am wondering if they have done or are planning to do any accommodations for, like, various physical disabilities. Because especially, especially like a kids show with Star Wars, like there's a lot of kids who are into Star Wars who like can't do an obstacle course, and so I'm wondering if they've if there are any plans to to do that because that would be something I'd want to see. I would hope so. You know, I would hope that the show would you know grab the audience's attention, especially like including. You know, all people, you know, including people with disabilities, you know, people, it seems like something that they should do, you know, because everyone should be included in this. Everyone should see themselves in this. Like, I, I would hope so. Yeah, no. So if anybody is watching it and if, if they have done anything about that, please let me know and I'll check it out. But just the, the accessibility thing, I don't know, it's been on my mind lately, but Oh, just something I was thinking about. Otherwise, like, good show. If you have kids, like, young kids, and you haven't watched it yet, you know, check it out. There's definitely worse things that they could be watching. Yeah. So. Yes. There's a new Star Wars game that's going to come out in a couple months. Yeah, this is what was, I guess, like, codenamed Maverick, and we now know is Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, it's a spaceship pew-pew-pew game. You fly around in your ship, and you dogfight and stuff. Wow. That sounds and, so fun. Yeah. I don't and think we've can, ever had yeah. a game like this before. <laughs> Look, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why people seemed excited. I, this is not a Star Wars game for me. But that's that's okay. Like the you know the trailer was cool. I I don't think there was any game footage. Yeah, it wasn't. There was no gameplay in it. So it was all just you know. But it looked pretty. And you see a squad. There's a squadron both of rebels and imperials. 
And, you know, you can, like, have a bunch of classic ships. It's going to be... There is a story mode, like, single-player campaign uh, set after the Battle of Endor, which put players in the shoes of pilots from both the New Republic's and Vanguard Squadron and the Galactic Empire's Titan Squadron. But it looks like the main focus is going to be on the multiplayer, which is, again, it is another reason where I'm like, not, not for me. Because I've said this before on the show, if I'm going to be terrible at a video game, I just want to be terrible by myself. That's a wonderful way to go. Yeah, I mean, this this doesn't catch my attention. Like, especially when everyone was going nuts over seeing, like, Wedge in the trailer. Like, I'm just like, cool. People we know. Stories we're going to get. shit about Wedge. Like. I mean, I'm excited for, you know, I, I love a good story. Like, give me a good story. I'll go on YouTube. I'll watch it. Uh, the Jedi Fallen Order story was really good. The Battlefront one was really good. You know, I, I like how there's, like, the four bad guys and the four good guys and wondering what's going to happen with them. You know, if the good guys are become the bad guys or the bad guys are become the good guys or if they're all just bad. I don't know. But seems cute you know it seems like i don't know just this this isn't me but that's okay and yeah i hope everyone has fun playing this and i hope this game doesn't suck uh one nice thing is they said it's gonna have cross-platform support so that you can like if you have an xbox you can play with somebody with a playstation and i know that's something that our friends who've done like the battlefront games have really wanted Okay, that's pretty bitchin'. I like that. Yeah, so if that's true, I don't remember where I pulled this from, but it's copy and pasted directly from some website that was, well, at least when I made these notes, oh, you know, five days ago seemed fairly reasonable. But, so I, I know that will make a lot of our friends glad. Because, like, you know, within, like, our chat sometimes, we'll be like, hey, is anybody on? And then it's always the question of, wait, what are you playing on? And then, like, oh, no, I can't join because I don't have that thing. Yeah, I know. I was going to say these notes look really detailed, like probably because I haven't like looked at notes for a while or just because like mine are just like Star Wars. This thing happened and then space. Another thing happened. No, but. Yeah. Well, I was never going to remember the details on this game because I don't I, I don't care about it. Um, and the next thing is detailed because there's a lot of details. I know. And this is something I am more excited for, and that is, since it is 40 years of Empire Strike Back, we are getting another From a Certain Point of View book. Uh, if you didn't read the first one, that was all stuff like minor characters from New Hope in that era. It was 40 short stories by 40 authors focusing on 40 minor characters. So... You know, that's going to be stuff like, hey, there's a story about the Rancor Keeper. Here's a story about this one guy who you saw for two seconds. And they haven't revealed what everybody's story is yet. But we've gotten a little bit more. Um... So none of the authors got any compensation for this. It's all proceeds are being donated to First Book, which is a nonprofit that provides books and learning materials 
to um, educators and organizations serving children in need um, from their thing on starwars.com to further celebrate the launch of this book and both companies' longstanding relationships with First Book. Franklin Random House will donate $100,000 to First Book and Disney Lucasfilm will donate 100,000 children's books to support First Book and their mission of providing equal access to quality education. That's awesome and great. Although somebody pointed this out on Twitter, which is they're making a like a really big push on how diverse this group of authors is. And it is a very diverse group of authors and they're working with a lot of minority authors. And I'm like, and that's the book you're not paying people for. It makes me a little bit like, uh. I know it's tricky. Like I, it's amazing. Like seeing like what they're doing, you know, because of this book and it is awesome and great and i feel like every time i hear that i think of eric struthers so it was it was very fitting that you said that so (laughs) i i don't know like i i think that's amazing you know what they're doing and that we're getting another one of these like i want a certain point of view from like every single star wars like give me a story from saboba's point of view like i'm i'm ready for that shit like and uh, maybe the wampa like do you think we'll get one of the wampas point of views Um like no, no, that was one. Oh no, never mind. We're getting that. I forgot it was on. It's a Tauntaun story that we're getting. But really, uh, okay. So they've announced most, if not all, of the authors. But we got a little bit of just what a couple of the stories are, and that is so. Austin Walker explores the unlikely partnership of bounty hunters Dengar and IG88 as they pursue Han Solo. Hank Green chronicles the life of a naturalist caring for the Tauntauns in the frozen world of Hoth. I don't like Hank Green, but that's adorable sounding. Uh, Tracy Dion delves into the heart of a Dagobah cave. And my stupid Google Docs just jumped in the wrong direction. Uh, Heart of the Dagobah cave where Luke confronts a terrifying vision. Martha Wells, an author I fucking love. She wrote the fantastic Murderbot novellas, which I highly recommend. A whole lot of fun, like hilarious and also kind of intense sci-fi about um, a well, murderbot um, like who's sort of learning to be a person. Um, and she's writing about Ugnaught clans wow. who, dwell in the, who dwell in the depths of Cloud City, which sounds fucking cool. Uh, Marco Shiro recounts the Wampa's tragic tale of loss and survival. I really like. I was just shitting around. I didn't really think that they would well, they would write about a wampa, but holy hell! Somebody wrote about a wampa, and the one I'm super fucking excited about. Uh, Seth Higginson interrogates the cost of serving a ruthless empire aboard the bridge of a doomed imperial starship. Now, here's why I'm excited about this. Seth Higginson is like maybe one of my favorite authors working today. He um, wrote. Uh, the Trader Boru Cameron, which is this like intense. Um, I think it's going to be a trilogy. There's two books out so far. The third one is is coming out next month, and I'm not sure whether it's the last book or not. I don't know if it's a trilogy or or a longer series, but they are fantasy, political thriller. Um, super queer and some of the most like emotionally devastating 
books that I've read in a long time. He's an absolute amazing, fascinating author, super smart, really like the, when I read the second book, I had to go back and like study the first book. Cause there's so many twists and turns that I completely forgot about. But when, um, when I was having lunch a while, but like a year or two ago with Tom from Delray, like he was asking me like who my dream Star Wars authors were. And one of the people I mentioned was Seth Dickinson. So when I saw this name on the list, I'm like, I I yelled at my computer. I'm so fucking happy. Oh my God. I love it. And maybe he was picking out authors and like, that's the one Emily likes. That's the one Emily <laughs> likes. Like, let's, let's, let's yeah, do this I, one. I, I think I think Seth Dickinson is uh, well enough established that he doesn't need my seal of approval for that to be an idea going around. But I'm like I was friggin' ecstatic about it. You never know. Maybe like you could be you know the reason why. Like just because now <laughs> it's canon that Ben Mendelsohn knows that Emily's nickname is Lindo. Like just like how Emily picked out some of the writers for uh, this certain point of view. Um, let's see. Some of the others, I'm not going to name them all because there's a lot, but uh, Mark Chen, Adam Christopher, uh, Zorada Cordova, Delilah Dawson, Alexander Freed, Jason Fry. I like Jason Fry a lot. Uh, he wrote The Last Jedi novelization. Christy Golden, Rob Hart, another person I really like. Uh, E.K. Johnston, Lydia Kang, um, R.F. Quang, C.B. Lee, Mackenzie Lee, John Jackson Miller, uh, Daniel Jose Older. Glad to see him back. Amy Ratcliffe. Super cool. Uh, Kevin Scott, Karen Strong, Ann Toole, uh, Django Wexler, uh, Gary Witt is writing one. That should be fun. Uh, Charles Yu, Jim Zub. Yeah, it's a, like, it's a fucking solid list. I don't know everybody on it, but I know quite a few of the names, and it's cool that it's not all, like, Star Wars alums. There's a lot of new people here. Yeah, so many new friends at the table. I'm so excited. Yeah, and that comes out November 10th, which is my birthday. You tell them your fucking birthday, too? Like, (laughs) 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 shit. Like, this whole thing is just for Emily. No one else, no no one else get it. It Just, just is for Emily. No, no, everyone, everyone buy it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, that first book is fairly hit or miss, but of course it is because it's 40 short stories by 40 different authors. Like there's 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 a lot there. Not everything is going to be to your taste, and there's some dog shit stories in that first one. But there's also a lot of fun stuff, and so yeah, I think it's a fun idea. I hope they keep doing these. I hope they do another Boba Fett one. And was it was it John Hamm that played Boba Fett in oh the gosh. the audio version? <laughs> Can we bring him back, please? Can it be good this time? I don't care. Like, can we just bring him? We could be a worse story. Like, I don't care. Can we just bring him back? Like, can we call him up? I don't think he's doing anything right now. Can I call him? Yeah. Can we call him up? Let's call him up. Let's get him on the podcast right now. Yeah, okay. You have his number, right? Yeah. Here. Because you and him are just like best buds. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have my John Ham impression ready. I don't either. I don't. I want John Ham to narrate more books, though, because, whoo. What a delight. Even his voice is sexy. There's nothing like a sexy voice. It's so good. But I hate that Boba Fett story. (laughs) I love it because it's awful. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, And I hope we get some 
interesting stories than this too, which we will. And I would love to see like the different points of view that we get. Like I would love, you know, we're getting a wampa. Like uh, maybe we'll get, you know, one of the Tauntauns. Like I'm trying to think of like what else that we can get. Um, Something from Yoda, something from, I'm trying to think of like minor characters. I was going to say Captain Panaka, but he's from the Phantom Menace. I don't know. Well, I'm hoping if it's like just sort of the, if they're going, you know, by by time period and it's not just like people you have definitely seen in this movie, it'd be fun to get some like what Cara Dune was doing back then. Something like that. Yeah, maybe when they do a one for Return of the Jedi, we'll see. Because wasn't she an Emperor's Guard? I don't remember. But also, like, maybe... Oh, they could give us a story about the Armorer. Ooh, that sounds good. We need that. We need a lot more stories, and I'm glad that, you know, all these authors are going to have this platform of, you know, sharing stories. And I'm excited. I'm excited for... November 10th not only because it's Emily's birthday but because <laughs> Emily gets to read all these wonderful stories no it's just like I, I I like the idea of this project I'm and I'm I'm happy to see so many good names on that list but it's up yeah it's up for pre-order now in various places and oh, I think it'll be fun yeah it will be. So the other thing is still rumor, but Corey and Noah of Castle Run Transmissions, is that what the show's called? It's changed a kind of a couple times now, and I don't remember. But they have on, according to them, very good sources, and I tend to trust them that their next animated show is going to be about the Bad Batch. And that that episode of The Clone Wars was a backdoor pilot to a Bad Batch show. Thoughts? (laughs) Yay, Corey! (laughs) Those are my thoughts. (laughs) Next topic. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. What What do you think? Oh, I'm not watching it. I didn't like those episodes. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it, but I'm, again, you know, I'm I'm just so happy for Corey. Like, I've been seeing he's been tweeting about this, like, the past couple days, and I'm just like, go you, Corey. And, you know, everyone else is, like, yeah. really into the Clone Wars. Like, Yeah, and, and, and it's good for them also. Just it's, like, cool to see Corey and Noah if, if this does turn out to be solid. Like, it's cool to see them breaking really big news. And also, I'm excited for them because that's, like, their jam. Oh, yeah. Like, I I really like this. I really like how, you know, they're sharing the news. And I like how, you know, we're getting, you know, they're good guys. And I like that, you know, we are able to get, get news from them, get reliable news. Because I trust them 100%. You know, I love Corey. 
I've only met Noah a couple times, but Noah's an awesome dude and they have a cool podcast. You know, they just did something last week, which is incredible, where they did a live stream where they raised um, two million dollars for um, Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry. I don't think it was. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Two thousand. <laughs> I think that would have been slightly bigger news. I don't know what you think they were auctioning off, but Corey's. I I really think that Corey's uh, Clone Wars collection is worth two million dollars. No, it's two thousand dollars, but still, they're awesome guys. A lot of our friends were there. Steel from Steel Wars, Haas from Blue Harvest, Araj from the Sith List, like a bunch of awesome people came together to you know donate to wonderful cause to some but yeah i yeah they were doing they were raising money for black lives matter and that's super cool and good on them yeah they're good dudes and we're blessed to you know have some good dudes in this community so i am happy to see their little career and you know their wonderful podcast and them doing good things them giving us a scoop like yeah i think i'm more happier that we now have new scoop friends than you know bad batch what the actual scoop is yeah just because the actual fucking who gives a fucking i mean i know a lot of people who give a shit but in terms of this like i don't fucking give a shit about the bad batch show oh that sounds tedious as hell but no it's okay i mean at least we're positive about one thing that we just like where the news is coming from rather than the news itself At least then there's something I can be excited about. Like, yay, yay. my friends. Yay, my friends got some news. The news. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Um, Emily, how's the Star Wars gallery been? I I don't know. I haven't watched any more of it. No, really, me neither. Okay. Great talk. Yeah. I completely forgot about it, quite honestly. Until I was working on notes, and that was just like, oh yeah, that was a thing that happened. So that's why my my note, just so you know, the show notes listeners really says Towers Gallery. If Brittany watched any more of it, I mean, we all know the answer to that. I don't know. I mean, you might you watch things. You watch more shit than I do. You know, I really thought about watching it. Like I was sitting at work yesterday, and I was like, I'm watching the last couple episodes of Kim and Kim and Courtney take New York season two. And I really could be watching Star Wars Gallery, but what will hold my attention? Dave Filoni or Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian's failing marriage? And I chose Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian's failing marriage. I mean, I guess uh, fair enough. Yeah. I'll watch it one of these days. I think they're only like 30 minute episodes. So. I think one of them was like the process one was like twenty minutes or something. Mm. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, do you want to get the email? Yeah, we just have one. Oh, it's from our friend Ian. Do it. Yes, and see what they have to say. Oh, Ian has a top three. We haven't done one of those for a while. And they say, hey, Canto Bite. Hope this gets you on time. It does, because we recorded super late. I'd like to know your top three Fast and Furious movies. Mine probably be five, eight, and I guess one. May the force be with you. 
Yeah, so um, if you're new to the show, I do a, I feel stupid every fucking time I say this, I do a Fast and the Furious podcast called The Fan and the Furious with my friend Steve, because Steve is a huge Fast and the Furious fan, and I had only seen like two of the movies. I had seen eight and one, did not like them, and we, during, uh, you know, this time of the pandemic, we wanted a project, and so we did a weekly podcast where we watched all the movies, and the Netflix cartoon show, and some other stuff. Uh, our episode on Hobbs and Shaw just dropped today. Um, well, I won't. Well, yeah, yeah. So yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, but check that out. Um, Brittany, how many Fast and the Furious movies have you seen? Point five of one. Okay, which? Okay, so you watched half of the first one. No, I wa- okay. So I know what Tokyo Drift is, but like I okay. feel like I've seen like some of that movie, but that's already going to be at my lowest ranking, just because <laughs> it's the first one that I've watched. And I, I when I think of Fast and Furious, I don't want to think of Tokyo Drift. I mean, yeah, that, most of the characters aren't in that one. Okay, that's good. And then I think. Uh, I think the other, like, two weeks ago, I was watching Fast Five. They were in Brazil, and um, Wonder Woman was there, and they did a close-up on her butt. Yeah, there's a lot of close-up on butts in those movies. And one of the girls was telling uh, Paul Walker that she was pregnant, and... Yeah, that's yes, that's Mia. Yeah, I always thought that for some reason I thought that he was with Michelle Rodriguez. I don't know why. No, Vin Diesel's with Michelle Rodriguez. Really, he could do better. <laughs> I think they are equally suited to each other. Who's The Rock with? The Rock does not have a romantic interest. Oh, good for The Rock. Yeah, The Rock was in Fast Five. He was uh, going around snooping for stuff. Um, there were a lot of cars. Yeah, there's a lot of cars. And they're all just going places. <laughs> like, I don't even know where they're going yeah. half the time. They're just, one car is yeah. here, one car is there. They're, they're all these people, like, next to their cars. And they're like, we're going to go drive around if you want to come with us. Like, that's basically Fast and the Furious. It's just, hey, man, check out my car. Do you want to do a test drive? Like, that's that's it. But, yeah, that's my ranking is Fast Five and Tokyo Drift. Um, Mine would be, okay, three. My third choice would be five. Yeah, I think my choices, like, counting down from three are five, six, seven. Because seven is my favorite because it has Jason Statham. And eight also has Jason Statham, but eight is a horrible fucking movie. Like, absolutely, like, just friggin' awful. What, ha- um, what happens in eight? That is the one where Vin turns against the family. Oh, Vin, what the fuck? And, um,. Charlize Theron is the bad guy giving absolutely hands down the worst performance she's ever given. 
like by a country mile, and she has these terrible cornrows. Why do they do that to her? Better than the bowl cut. I, I, oh. oh, it's no, it's so gross looking. She looks in, she, she has all these stupid, like, freshman philosophy major villain speeches that she's given, and it's, it's not good. And also they, um, they, like, fridge one of the female characters in it in a really brutal way. And the show is, I mean, the fight scenes in these movies are always really brutal and, like, you know, like, but in a really super cartoonish way. And this woman just gets friggin' straight-up murdered in front of her baby, and it's super uncool. Um, so eight can go fuck itself. But yeah, seven's my favorite, I think. And here's the other thing is, what I, like, because I was watching these one a week, I sort of have, I, they all run together in my head. So I had to, when when I saw this question from Ian, I had to, like, look on Wikipedia to try to remember which was which. But then, yeah, so seven's my favorite. Six is the one where Michelle Rodriguez's character has lost her memory. Because um, they, and then, like, that's when the family, like, finds out that she's alive because everybody thought she was dead. Um, and five... I like five, and it's the because five is when the series starts to go into the like super spy realm. Like it's not quite there yet, but that's where they're headed. When it's not just about street racing anymore, but The Rock is kind of unpleasant in that movie because he was not yet like super charming, cuddly Rock. He was still like kind of like hard ass Rock, and that I don't like as much. So I went into five thinking he was gonna be super cuddly dude with the smile and the eyebrow, and instead of just an asshole, pretty much that entire movie. So it's not quite as much fun. Still better than the rest of the movies. What about the one with John Cena? That's not out yet. Uh, and now it's not going to be out for another that's... year. That was That's the one that was supposed to come out this year. Wow, it's like another Star Wars you have to look forward to. <laughs> this is amazing. You know, in some ways, because I agreed with this, I would go see it with Steve opening night. And in some ways, I'm actually kind of interested to it because those movies do have a crazy devoted fandom and a, compared to Star Wars, a very positive fandom. And Steve's talked about his experiences at opening night to those movies. And it sounds like a lot of fun because people are like really into it. That's so cute. And this is going to have, they revealed this in the trailer, like one of the fan favorite characters who was killed off is coming back somehow. And so people are super excited for it. I mean, I still don't like these movies and all of them are too long and have really boring stretches, but there's, there's some entertaining stuff in some of them. That's good. I'm I'm like uh, happily surprised that it's a um, positive fandom. Like I would almost assume, you know, because of the cars and because of, you know, all of the close up booty shots that it wouldn't be. But that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think one thing there is those movies from the beginning. Um, and this is a lot of this is on on. Vin Diesel, from what I understand, is have really pushed having a really diverse cast and really embraced that. And I think that's something that, because it was there from the beginning, like 
it naturally attracted a fandom that wanted to see that on screen. And so it's it's not something where it's like, oh, I can't believe there's there, you know, obviously like the black guy is just there to because they needed to put a black guy in the movie. You know, like it's not that like gross resentment. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some like negative parts to that fandom, but the little bits I've interacted with have all been really, really positive. That's good. I'm glad. That's really good. Oh, um, EA just put out um, a gameplay trailer for uh, Star Wars Squadrons. And oh, okay. Yeah, I've I've been kind of eyeing it for a little bit. Uh, there's like a dogfight mode. Uh, people think they saw uh, Ray Sloan, um, too. So that's cool. There's also fleet battles. Um. I don't know. It just it, it gives you like a lot of options to you know play. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. But anyways, thank you Ian for the email. I always enjoy talking Fast and the Furious with our Fast and Furious um mentor Emily. <laughs> I have had no pun intended, quite the crash course. Oh, that was wonderful. That was... Uh, yeah. And and we're going to, because we don't, you know, we're out of movies for a year, like, we're doing sort of like a wrap-up episode where we talk about, we're going to talk about sort of the franchise as a whole, and then we're just going to dive into Vin Diesel movies, because we're stupid, and we're both friggin' obsessed with him. Vin fucking Diesel. He's the weirdest dude. So weird. He is. And I can't wait for you to watch more. I really hope that you watch some like John Cena movies too. Because I think that John Cena is just like an interesting dude himself. Like I can't wait till that movie comes out. With the. Him. There, look there's only so many people in this like. I can only have, like, one of these dudes who is, like, the dude that I'm weirdly obsessed with. <laughs> and so my money right now is on Vin Diesel. I can't have another one. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm so interested in John Cena's career. Like, how he went from pro wrestler to this, like, actor now. Like, I still remember when he was on that e-reality show Total Divas with his girlfriend, Nikki Bella. Like, in just... A couple of years later, he's this actor dude. Like, it just, it's so crazy. Well, I mean, look at The Rock. He's now one of the, like, biggest actors, like, in terms of box office draw. Like, one of the fucking biggest actors on the planet. Oh, I know. Like, just John Cena just takes himself so serious. Like, he's just such a serious <laughs> guy. Like, he always has, like, the military haircut. Always addresses people, sir, ma'am. Like, he's just, like... not the all-american guy but he's just like so proper like he doesn't seem like he likes jokes or anything like he seems like <laughs> such a serious guy like i'm intrigued by john cena and the fact that he's in all these movies like the seeing him smile is weird because he just looks like the kind of guy that just doesn't like to smile 
<laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to see him as uh, Vin Diesel's brother in that next movie. I mean, they look so much alike, too, so great casting. Although the best casting those and uh, those movies has done is the fact that Helen Mirren is Helen Mirren is not only in the movies, but she asked to be in the movies because she likes them so much and she wanted to work with Vin Diesel. And she fought, she has been in for two two of them now, I think. And um she finally gets to like drive a car in N nine, which she hasn't been able to do yet. So she's gonna be able to do in like Fast and the Furious shit. And she's definitely had sex with Vin Diesel. You really think so? I absolutely think so. You've seen her like in interviews when she's talking about wanting to be in these movies. I absolutely think she slept with Vin Diesel. And also maybe Jason Statham, even though she plays Jason Statham's mom. Because when you see them in scenes together in the movie, it is not a motherly vibe. I didn't even know she was in the movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Holy hell. Well, good for her, you know? Like, I love that when people really like fandoms or movies and they're like, put me in, put me in. Good for her. It's just such a weird, like... How you go from, like, playing the queen to being in Fast and the Furious. It's such an interesting... It makes me love Helen Mirren so much. I know. <laughs> oh. Huh, well, shall we move on to Deadwood? Yes, let's talk about Deadwood. All right, so we are on Season 1, Episode 7, with the most descriptive title of any titles I've ever seen with Bullock returns to camp. And if you're wondering what happened this episode, yeah. Bullock returned to camp. So you can find me on Twitter as can't know. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was a good episode. Um, I'm trying to think of some things that happened that stood out to me. The biggest thing was that we actually got Kristen Bell in this. She's yep. here. She's ready to go. Her and her brother are looking for her dad or something, and her brother's working at Al's, and she goes across the street and uh, is doing some work. Yeah, she's working at the Bell Union, which is the other brothel slash saloon. The scary one. And it's scary, but it's like... I. Like, Psy is scary as fuck, but, like, I don't know why. And, like, I'm waiting to see why, but, like, part of me doesn't ever want to know why. Because I feel like I'm going to be scared. Well, he is a scary character. The other thing is just that Powers Booth, um, rest in peace, was a terrifying actor. From all accounts, super nice Mm -hmm. dude. Like, total sweetheart. But in terms of the roles he played, scary as shit. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested to see how these siblings do in Deadwood and what significance they have. Because they got a lot of screen time this episode. Yeah, I mean, it really... It really focuses on them. We see a lot of 
Dan's creepy interest in uh, Kristen Bell's character. Sweet Dan. Sweet Dan that also killed the fuck out of uh, what's his name? Yeah, he does. He does totally murder a dude in this episode. For like looking at Kristen Bell, basically. Oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> he just beats. He just beats this guy to death. All just because he looked at Kristen Bell. Like, <laughs> don't fuck with Dan. Like, just don't. Like, don't even look at Dan. Even though Dan is like the sweetest, the the sweetest murderer of them all. Like, just don't. Just, just don't. Actually, just don't look at Kristen Bell. Like, then you're good. You're you're good with Dan if you don't look at Kristen Bell. But I thought that was sweet. How he wanted to protect her, even though that um, what's his face wasn't really doing anything wrong. Um, another thing I thought interesting was interesting was um, how Trixie basically uh, stood up to Al. Yeah, so this is more of Alma getting off Vodnum and Al's super fucking pissed because he realizes that Trixie has been helping her instead of getting her further hooked like he like he wanted Trixie to do. And Trixie is smart enough to know you can't make the argument to Al of this is the, you know, this is the right thing to do, but she can make the argument to him, like, this is the smart thing to do. Like, this can still help you out if she thinks I'm, you know, on her side and got her clean. And then she's just going to want to get the fuck out of this camp. So you can get this gold claim back. Although that's going to be trickier, of course, because we see at the end of the episode when she is um, sober and everything, uh, Seth, because he is Seth, um, has made this promise to Wild Bill about helping her with her claim. And he's still determined to do so, even though she tells him that he doesn't have to. Oh, he's going to do a lot more than help her with a claim. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> Him and fucking Soul Star are going to do way more than, you know, they said they were going to. But I like that because there's this nice little scene with him when when she tells him that she releases him of his obligation. And he's like, I didn't make the promise to you. Which is, okay, it's kind of fucked up because it's her claim. And it's her life. But I also just like this idea of he made this promise to Bill, and so he's gonna fucking do it no matter what. Yeah, and that fucking smile he gives afterwards. Little fucker, <laughs> I know what he's up to. And of course, when he's like, oh, you've changed. Like, of course. Stop it. Like, he's just, he's. <sighs> this is bad news, but I'm here for it. Silver Alma is so much better than drugged Alma. I know. Except I, I really didn't like how she got into that argument with Trixie. Like, that was a bummer. <sighs> yeah, and I think it's... it's The... The class stuff on the show is, is really interesting. And... And sort of... Alma genuinely does want 
to help Trixie, but is so disconnected from what Trixie's world is. Like, just on every level. And just, like, approaches it so badly, even on top of that. Yeah, she just doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, w- it was a pretty good episode. I feel like, oh, they found um, Jack McCall, too. Yeah, and um, Seth being Seth, they decide to take them into an actual, like, justice system and let them deal with it. Good. Much to uh, Jane's dismay when she finds out about it. Yeah, I like how Jane is, you know, helping out, you know, with all the sick people due to... Was it smallpox? Yeah, because it was smallpox. Yeah, I like that. But I don't know. I hate seeing her in pain and I hate seeing her not good so i don't know i i hope for the best for her in the next like upcoming episodes but that's the thing with the show is that you just don't know what's gonna happen next like you were just telling me before we started recording that this next episode was a little hard right Mm, yeah it's just it has i can't there's just one scene that i can't watch the episode's great but there's this little there's this there's this really brutal scene and the camera just stays on it way longer than you think it's going to. They better not kill the kid. <laughs> uh, they can't. I'm not telling you I anything. Know. But just just know that it's it's rough. And I'm interested to see I'm interested to see like what you think of it. I mean I've seen I've seen worse things in movies and stuff, but there's just there's there's just something in the camera work of it and some of the particular shit that's just like hits me in just the right spot of being super uncomfortable. Oh. Well, I know what I'm doing at work tomorrow. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well. I mean, hopefully everyone's okay. I mean, obviously not everyone, but I mean... Uh, another week in Deadwood. Yeah, it's it's intense there. I just want Soulstar and Trixie to get away from all of this and to go off to somewhere nice where he can treat her well and <laughs> like it, just Soulstar just seems like you're all around good good dude. He's so sweet. He is, and he just lights up when he sees Trixie and when he talks to her. Like, he's just the dude. And he treats her like a lady. A lady. Just at any time you see someone treat someone like a lady, you just. Well, no, it's like, especially Trixie who doesn't, like, get people like that, and it's just adorable. And he's so sweet. And John Hawks is a great actor, and he's just, it's such a good. Like quiet, 
understated performance from him in a show with a lot of very big characters. It's nice to have this one character who's just like, no, he's just like a nice dude. Yeah, but of course, that's always going to be the one that's going to be like murdered viciously. (laughs) Not everybody gets murdered viciously. Well, yeah, all the people you like always do. Like, have you ever watched Game of Thrones? Like, everyone dies. Everyone, bad things happen. Like, bad things happen to everyone. And, of course, like, your favorite person, like, you, in the back of your head, you know, something fucked is about to happen. <laughs> Deadwood doesn't have quite that much of a main character bond, uh, body count. I'm still pissed off about Wild Bill. Just, you take the best <laughs> fucking character from the show and just get some asshole to just shoot him in the back of the head like what the fuck does that do to anyone like i know this is real life shit but just that's so shitty and how come i'm the only person who didn't know that wild bill dies like everyone knew this but me story of my life my american history knowledge is fucked I mean, it's not like it's a necessarily a particularly, you know, significant bit of American history or anything. It's not like, you know, a war started over it or it's something like that. It's significant enough that everyone knows it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is like Pangea all over again. Except Bill Hickok is... <laughs> except left in the episode. Except uh, Bill Hickok is not a myth. He is a real, real life thing. <laughs> That's a great callback because we deleted all that stuff from that episode. So nobody knows the shit you're talking about. Well, I mean, okay. Just the moral of the story is the American... Ed- God, no, don't ruin it. No, that was cut out. It is a mystery forever. Well, so is Pangea. So that's perfect. <laughs> Pangea is just a mystery. And so is Wild Bill Hickok. Except Wild Bill Hickok actually fucking happened. That is the opposite of what that whole thing, that whole discussion was about. God damn it. Or is it? Are we just confusing the audience with the Pangea shit that no one will ever know? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe next week I'll I'll think of you know other Pangea related topics. Like um I don't know. How many Pangea related topics? We could talk about earthquakes. Okay. Do you get a lot of earthquakes in New York City? New York doesn't get earthquakes. You get a bunch of them here. Have you ever felt an earthquake? No. Pretty scary. But. Well. We did it. We got through another episode. After, you know, weeks of no episodes, but I'm glad to be back. 
I'm glad to have you here with me. And to have you and Pangea and Wild Bill Hillcock. It's wonderful. So, Emily, where can we find you in the podcast on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EF Lind. You can also hear me on, as mentioned before, The Fan and the Furious and on the podcast and YouTube show, The Pop Culture Hour that I do with Johnny Grasso and Mike Pappas. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. You know, follow us on all the usual places and rate and review us if you can. You can email us top three like Ian did. You can email us a fuck my kill. We haven't done one of those for a while. And that is cantabitepod at gmail.com. You can also just send us, you know, various thoughts or theories. Um, tell us what you're looking forward to and from a certain point of view. And if you are going to write a story, who, like, who you'd write one about. But Brittany, where are you? I am on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Sweet. Um... Man, we're only a couple episodes away from 150. Wow. That's crazy. That seems weird, right? It does, but it feels right. Yeah. Um, but I think that is it. Unless you have anything else to add? Nope. Just can't wait to talk to you all next week. All right. We will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main Yeah, that's fire Love on the rocks leaves the love on my socks Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked Especially when y'all truly whips out his cock Canto bite Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo My girls E and B deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brews Fish tacos in San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Fushi Dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches All my Canto bitches Rabia and Adele Often email the show I cut a track on them trolls With Johnny Grasso Jesse McGee Busted a rap for me Met her and horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers Got to behold The luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time So I shout a Raj too You know the list Ain't complete without lesson boo 
This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches, all my Canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name, don't feel no shame You love the fun, the games, and refresher bags Hang on every word of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word, maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know, maybe ask the girls if Yaddle squirts Take your CBD, send in your top three, And you'll always be a bitch like me Get him, Eric.